tefillah. I'm going to give you quite a bit of background information here. When the Lord gave Moses and the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, and that was about 1,500 years before, before Jesus came into the world, those laws, moral laws, were written with the finger of God on tables of stone. At that particular time, they were given to Moses, written on tables of stone. God gave the Ten Commandments to the ancient Israelites when he made a covenant with them, having delivered them from their afflictions in Egypt. They'd been in slavery in Egypt. One of those commandments, the fourth one, starts with the words, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And when we get round to looking at our passage, Luke chapter 6, verse 1 through to 11, we shall be considering the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So God gave ten commandments, moral laws. He wrote them on tables of stone. But as well as giving those commandments, the Lord gave various other laws. And those other laws were for the governance, the rule of the Israelites, who he had made his holy and special people. Those other laws were a wall of partition between the Jews, or the Israelites at that time, between the Israelites and all the other Gentile nations. It served as a a, a wall of partition between them. However, that wall has now been broken down, and all who were trusting in Jesus as their saviour from sin and their Lord. They are a holy nation. You as a Christian, you are part of that holy nation, a royal priesthood, special people. And that holy nation consists of Jews and Gentiles alike. There's no difference. They are all one in Christ Jesus. With the, the wall of partition, those laws that were given all those years ago for the governance of Israel, they've been, bro- they've been broken down. That wall has been broken down. Also, God gave the Israelites laws concerning animal sacrifices. A lot of laws. Just look at the book of Leviticus. It's all about animal sacrifices. Those laws, they had their fulfilment in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ when he sacrificially laid down his life at the cross for all who came to save. You you may know, remember, when uh, John the Baptist heralded the coming of Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the fulfilment of all those sacrifices. And he is indeed the only acceptable sacrifice. However, all of God's laws, and not just the Ten Commandments, were still very much in force when Jesus was in the world. In fact, Jesus was born under the law, and even though as God he is the law maker and he is the law giver, He nevertheless became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. For the sake of all he came to redeem from the laws 
demands, the law's righteous demands. And so it was that as well as keeping the Ten Commandments, Jesus, who according to his humanity was born a Jew of the house of David, the tribe of Judah, he even kept all the other laws, those various laws that were given for the governance, the rule of Israel, he kept those laws. He, he subjected himself to those laws. What we're going to consider this morning is what certain religious Jews, the Pharisees, perceive to be two Sabbath day violations by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was no small matter, it's very, very serious. In the Old Testament, Sabbath day violations were punishable by death. That's how serious it was. As it is written in Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 to 36. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation and they put him in wood because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, so God says to Moses here, the man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp or outside the camp and stoned him with stones and he died. As the Lord commanded Moses. So you see, it was no small matter And the Pharisees, they made an accusation against Jesus concerning the Sabbath day. Coming to our passage, first of all, it can be seen that Jesus was accused of wrongdoing by the Pharisees when his disciples plucked and ate corn on a Sabbath day. Look at Luke chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass... On the second Sabbath, after the first, that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Do you know, every time I read that, I I can't help it, I picture the... I'm not saying this is what happened, but I just picture the Pharisees. They were stalking Jesus. They really were. Probably going around commando style in in the cornfields there, just looking for an opportunity to accuse him of breaking the law. And they they found an opportunity there. Apparently the fact that the corn was ripe And ready to be eaten tells us that it was a Sabbath day in April, shortly after the Passover feast. A bit of extra information here. Also, it is reckoned to have been a year before the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Jesus was, of course, crucified at the time of the Passover and it's believed to have happened a year after what we're considering this morning. In Matthew and Mark's accounts of what happened, the Pharisees asked the Lord Jesus Christ, 
why his disciples did that which was not lawful on the Sabbath day. However, here in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is accused along with his disciples, even though there's nothing to suggest that he himself plucked and ate any corn. But he was nevertheless their master, so he was accused. As to what precisely was perceived by the Pharisees to have been a a transgression, a violation of God's law concerning the Sabbath day, well... In Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 25, I'm quoting all this Old Testament stuff here because this was still in a sense the Old Testament. This was before Jesus had laid down his life at the cross. And as I've already told you, even Jesus was under subjection to the laws. Anyway, in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 25, it is written... When thou comest into the standing corn or of thy neighbour, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbour's standing corn. Therefore, although it would have been unlawful for, for someone to go into their neighbour's cornfield and harvest the cornfield and take everything away for themselves, that would have been stealing, wouldn't it? The law did nevertheless allow for people to pluck some corn for themselves. And that being the case, the disciples simply did what was permissible in the law, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23. They didn't do anything wrong there. I don't suppose the Pharisees had Deuteronomy chapter 23 in mind anyway. I say that because their concern was not so much about what was being done, it was rather about when it was being done, the fact that it was being done on the Sabbath day. Looking at the fourth commandment itself, it's written in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 10, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. In it thou shalt not do any work. Perhaps the Pharisees had in mind one of the many, many traditions that had crept in over the years, traditions that they elevated above God's law. For example, maybe according to their man-made traditions, the disciples were working on the Sabbath day, because it does say, as I've already said in in, uh, Exodus chapter 20, the seventh day is the Sabbath day, of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work. Maybe those Pharisees deemed that um, what was being done was work. Maybe plucking corn was considered to be harvesting the corn and then rubbing the corn in the hands. Maybe that was considered to be um, winnowing it or or fanning it you know, some kind of work. That simple, seemingly innocent act of picking a little bit of corn, rubbing it in your hands to remove the chaff and eating it. Oh, they're working on the Sabbath day. Whatever was going on in the minds and self-righteous hearts of the Pharisees when they accused the Lord Jesus Christ of doing that which was not lawful to do on the Sabbath days, it was countered by Jesus with scripture. 
This, this is something that Jesus did so often. He countered with scripture. Back in Luke chapter 4, it can be seen that Jesus responded with various scriptures when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And now in today's passage, he quotes scriptures concerning something that happened when King David, 1,000 years earlier, went into the house of God and ate the showbread, showbread which was intended to be eaten by the priests. David was king of Israel, but he was not a priest. So strictly speaking, he had no business going into the house of God, taking the showbread for himself and his men and eating it. We see this in verse uh, verses 3 and 4, the Lord Jesus quoting the scriptures concerning what King David did. Verse 3, And Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much as this, what David did, when himself was unhungered, and they which were with him, <clears throat> how he went into the house of God, and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone? When David and his men ate the showbread in the house of God, and which, as I've said, was for the priests to be eaten, that house of God, it would have been the tabernacle at that time in history. But what they did ordinarily would have been a transgression of the law because it wasn't theirs to eat. However, God is compassionate he is merciful and that compassion is reflected in his law. Even though we needn't imagine that David and his men were starving to death, they were nevertheless hungry and God's law makes allowances for that. Even if man's traditions do not make allowances, God's law does. Likewise, even if the disciples were not starving to death, they were nevertheless hungry. It doesn't say it in Luke's gospel, but it does say it in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 1, that they were hungry. And so they plucked some corn on the Sabbath day and they ate it. Again, God, who is compassionate, makes allowances for that in his law, even if man's traditions don't. Last of all, in verse 5, Jesus said to the Pharisees that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. The usual interpretation of what Jesus said in verse 5 is that he was saying that as God, he is not bound by the law. That he can do as he wishes and that he can permit his disciples to do as they wish. He's overruling what the law says because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm far from convinced that that is what Jesus was saying. If that was the case, then why did Jesus even bother to cite the example of David in order to show that the law concerning Sabbath days makes allowances for satisfying one's hunger? Why even mention that if Jesus was going to simply overrule that the law because he is God. Also, 
as has already been said, Jesus was born under the law. And even though as God, he is the lawmaker, he is the lawgiver, he nevertheless became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. For the sake of all he came to redeem from the law's demands. Jesus redeemed his people because of his perfect obedience to the law in life and in death. He didn't play roughshod over the law. He kept the law. So if anything, far from overruling the Sabbath day as the lawgiver, Jesus, the Son of Man, was affirming his high regard for the law when he said, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Secondly, on another occasion, Jesus fell foul, not only of the Pharisees, but also of the scribes, when he healed a man on a Sabbath day. Look at verses 6 and 7. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. And you think, here we go again. Even though the congregation in that synagogue was greatly privileged to ha- to have the very best teaching that they'd ever that that they were ever going to have in that synagogue, there were nevertheless some who weren't even listening to the Lord Jesus Christ. I refer to the Pharisees and the scribes, of course. They were too busy watching Jesus to the end that they might accuse him of healing on the Sabbath day. In their minds, healing people on the Sabbath day was not lawful. But is that correct? Again, they were under the law. Jesus was under the law. We've already seen that God's law concerning Sabbath day observance makes allowances for satisfying one's hunger. With that in mind, even a child ought to be able to figure out that God's law makes allowances for acts of mercy on the Sabbath day, such as healing a man. In order to emphasise that point, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, we're told that Jesus said to the Pharisees and the scribes, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not he lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, or therefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then, as we see in Luke chapter 6 and verse 8, Jesus, who could see into the hearts of the Pharisees and scribes, and for that matter, he can see into our hearts as well, Jesus said to the man whose hand was withered, Rise up, stand forth in the midst. Jesus said that knowing that the scribes and Pharisees were looking for an excuse to accuse him, and that they thought that it was wrong to heal on the Sabbath. He called the man to to stand up in full view of those scribes and those Pharisees. And we're specifically told in verse 6 that it was the man's right hand 
that was withered. And that probably emphasises how great and how debilitating his affliction was. If, like most people, if he was right-handed. Having spoken about rescuing an animal from a pit on the Sabbath day in order to show that God's law concerning the Sabbath day makes allowances for acts of mercy even on, on, on animals and then going on to heal a human being on the Sabbath day in full view of those who sought to accuse him Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees I will ask you one thing Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? It should be a no-brainer, that one, shouldn't it, really? Once again, even a child ought to be able to figure out that it is lawful to do good and to save lives on Sabbath days. Yet in the estimation of those religious Jews, it would seem that it was a mortal sin for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath day. But for them to plot the destruction and the murder of the incarnate Son of God on the Sabbath day, well, that was okay. That was lawful. And and where it says there in verse 11, and they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus, They really were plotting to destroy him, to kill him. We get that information uh, in the other Gospels. It was okay to do that. That was lawful on the Sabbath day. But to heal someone whose hand was withered, that was a sin. It doesn't make any sense, does it? (coughs) Their minds was so sinfully twisted that instead of praising God and seeing in that merciful and miraculous healing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, whom God had promised to send into the world, instead of praising God, they sought to destroy Jesus. Perhaps you can see that despite all their outward appearance of being righteous, They were, in fact, full of hypocrisy and full of wickedness. And, of course, you're all sitting there and I'm standing here thinking, terrible people they were. Horrible, wicked men. No compassion, no love for their fellow human beings. What terrible people. (coughs) The scribes were experts and teachers of God's law and the Pharisees were highly regarded as being upholders of God's law. For all that, both groups of men demonstrated just how far from God they really were. They had no concern for the fact that the disciples were hungry. They had no compassion and most of all, they hated and wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's face it, a person who is close to God, who knows God, who is a child of God, is not someone who wants to kill the incarnate Son of God. There's no sense in that. I say that again, they, 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 they did not know God. And this would apply equally to anyone in this world. You look at all the religions, 
the various religions, the so-called worship that's going on, if someone does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, or if someone wants to kill the Lord Jesus Christ, that person does not know God. Why is that? Because Jesus is God. There's no relationship with God. There was no relationship with God uh, when we look at these scribes and these Pharisees. It was all outward appearance. Though the Pharisees and scribes had an outward appearance of being right with God, their hearts, which the Lord Jesus Christ knew and which the Lord Jesus Christ could see into, told a very different story. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 and 28, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like whited sepulchres, whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness looking wonderful on the outside, but full of wickedness inside. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The Pharisees and scribes in this passage demonstrate and they exemplify just how wicked not only their hearts are, but uh, it really does extend to everybody. I say this to to each one of us here. It's not just their hearts. The The fourth commandment concerning the Sabbath day and all the other commandments, they are expressions of love. Love for God, we're to love God with our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, with our whole being. And that is expressed in God's commandments. Also, we are to love our neighbour as ourselves. Again, that is in God's commandments. God's commandments are all about love. And what those commandments do is they expose the wickedness of the human heart. We see it in such a, such a clear way with the scribes and the Pharisees. But it doesn't end there. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Search your own heart. Just ask yourself the question and be honest with the answer. Whoever you are, even if you've been a Christian for many years, do you love God with your whole being? Or ask yourself that question next time you face the choice of reading your Bible or looking at a movie on the television. Whatever. Do you love your neighbour as yourself? Or does it depend? Because largely it does depend on... on There's always conditions attached. Our love for other people. And so the commandments, they are most certainly expressions of God's love, but they expose the wickedness of our hearts.
However, the good news is that when the Lord Jesus Christ was in the world, he perfectly kept all of God's laws on behalf of all who trust in him at the cross. That is good news, because none of us are able to keep God's laws. We're conceived in sin. In sin did our mothers um, conceive us. We're born into this world as sinners. Natural born sinners. Yet Jesus, when he was in the world, he perfectly, perfectly kept all of God's laws on behalf of all who trust in him. And at the cross, the wickedness of the heart's of all who trust in him, were laid upon him. He carried their sins in his body at the cross. Consequently, Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth in him. And they stand before God, washed in the precious blood of Christ and adorned in his righteousness, his perfect righteousness. Finally, In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus said to his disciples, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. To fulfill the Old Testament, and that includes the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. The good news is that Jesus has fulfilled the law's demands on behalf of all who are trusting in him. At the cross, he was wounded and put to death for your sins, dear Christian, including your transgressions of the Sabbath day commandment, the fourth commandment. Having been obedient unto death, Jesus is now highly exalted and seated on the right hand of God, where he intercedes for all who are trusting in him as their great heavenly high priest, they having been redeemed from the curse of God's broken law. And they have forgiveness for all their sins, whereas all who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, all who do not receive Jesus as their Saviour and their Lord, they will be judged, and they will be judged in accordance with God's law. You can't get away from it. That's very serious indeed when you consider that the wages of sin, the wages of breaking God's law, is death and everlasting punishment in hellfire. God takes his law very seriously. If you reject Christ, you will be judged according to that law. That law that says the wages of sin is death. The Pharisees and the scribes plotted how they might destroy Jesus and more broadly the world hates Jesus. Even so, God is merciful, God is compassionate. Therefore repent, trust in Jesus, believing that he has kept God's commandments on your behalf. And believing, believe that at the cross, Jesus sacrificially laid down his life, bearing away your sins, believe all that and you will be saved. And praise God, a compassionate and merciful God. As for all of you who are trusting in the crucified and risen Saviour already, 
what is your relationship with God's law? This is how we started, wasn't it? Christians, they, they, in the church, they talk about their relationship with God's law. And clearly by their actions, there are churches and Christians who have consigned God's law to the rubbish bin. But what is our relationship with God's law? Including the fourth commandment concerning the Sabbath day. That commandment that is tucked in in the midst of all the other commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, the law most certainly has not become an irrelevance. How can it have when unlike many many of man's man's wicked laws, laws that we have being passed on this island, wicked laws they are. God's law is good, God's law is perfect and God's law is given for our benefit. And so with joy and thanksgiving in your heart, dear Christian, though you still sin, do you not delight in God's law inwardly, after the inward man? Do you not see God's law for what it is, sweeter than the honeycomb, to be desired more than fine gold? And do you not seek God's enabling grace with the Holy Spirit working in you, to do that which is pleasing in his sight, in the sight of your heavenly Father. And that includes observing the fourth commandment, about which the Lord has said in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, in other words, if you set apart the Sabbath for worship, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honourable, and shalt honour him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. It's a delight. God's law, it's a delight. And we, we, The Lord Jesus Christ, he came into the world and he said, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, it is written of me in the volume of the book. Jesus delighted in doing God's will and he did the will of God. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, because we fail miserably in thought, in word and deed, to, to keep laws that were given to us for our benefit, for our good. Our good laws that are about loving God and loving our neighbour. Jesus has fulfilled those laws. And you, you belong to Jesus. Do you not seek the grace of God to keep your Father's laws or, or to walk according to his laws? Not in your own strength, but as you are led by the Lord Jesus Christ, as you follow him, your Saviour and your Lord. Amen.